it, it's New Year's Eve. Did oh, you it know is. That? It's New Year's Eve today. I I didn't know that. No, I know now. It, it's New Year's Eve. Happy New Year's Eve, everybody listening to this on New Year's Eve, twenty twenty three. Woo that's, party! That, that's all I got. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome to the We Are Driven podcast, where we equip you with the tools to succeed in your pursuit of excellence in business, fitness, and cars. This is episode 88, and my name is Arun Kumar. I am the driver, and I'm here with my co-host, Dan LaRue. How are you, Dan? I am doing okay. You're less sore than next week's episode, which we recorded uh, two days ago. Yeah, 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 for the <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Arun is uh, releasing this one today because it's a very specific topic. And then the one that we recorded on Tuesday, which the was week after. Yeah. So it, it, it might be a little confusing, but for the listeners, because this comes out sooner, I had surgery last week. Uh, I had my gallbladder removed. We'll talk more about that in two weeks. Uh, in two weeks ish. No, you two know, weeks. We'll, two yeah, weeks. We'll, we'll, be... we'll figure out the, the scheduling on this eventually. It'll be January 14th. There you go. Yeah. That the episode about. <laughs> we, yeah, we're, we're not going to dive into that. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm Quick okay reminder. for anybody who's worried. <laughs> I'm okay. We're laughing too much for you to not be okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. If you like what you hear, if you like what you hear so far, a minute and a half in, you're already confused. I'm, I guarantee it. You're confused. But if if you're familiar with what we do here then you know what is to come and you know that you enjoy it and you're going to listen along anyways to us banter about nothing. Please share the show. (laughs) (laughs) It's a weird way to promote our podcast. But yeah, we we appreciate when when more people listen. And I was fortunate to be on another podcast where I got to mention this podcast recently. And that has, again, increased our listenership. I'm very grateful to say so welcome to a lot of new people. Hopefully you made it through the first two minutes. And we are going to talk about the pursuit of excellence today. And we are going to talk about cars today. And that is pretty much how each of these episodes goes. Maybe not quite in that order, but they're opposite order. And we appreciate that you stick around, that you listen through the episodes and that you get all the different layers of the We Are Driven experience and develop your own driven mindset along with it. And as you do that, and as you share the show with others and review it and promote it, we are growing the driven community. And the bigger this community is, the stronger each of us individually will become within it as we hold each other accountable, as we push each other to new heights, as we share educational pieces of information along the way. And each of those things will make the world a better place. So with that, let's start off with some current events in the automotive industry. This isn't a current event. It was just, you know, something I was reading because I was tired of reading about like EV shit. Okay. I'm tired of updating the world on this because it's just, it's boring. Um, I saw, like, I just saw th- this morning, I just Googled interesting car facts. Okay. And um, there was a, a website I came across, and I, I wasn't entirely sure if I believed it because it was just like, some, like, auto repair shop out of, like, Minnesota, like, just throwing some weird stats out there. So I, I, I Googled, 
what they were referencing. And what they were saying was is that uh, roughly $60 billion per year uh, worth of uh, maintenance on vehicles goes unperformed. So you're saying the automotive service industry has a much larger total addressable market than... Yes, that's what they're saying. So I was like, okay... I have to Google this. Like, I, I need to know more. And uh, an article from uh, 2021, uh, December 16th, 2021. So this is two years ago. Uh, the, the Automotive Aftermarket Suppliers Association references that dollar, but at $69 billion per year of underperformed uh, unperformed and underperformed maintenance by U.S. vehicle owners. So I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." And then I saw a different article, and it was uh, it, it re- from 2013, and they reference, and of course, you know, that's 10 years ago. Their number was 27 percent of the total aftermarket potential. So I was like, "Oh, Arun might find this interesting." But I wonder, you know, is it? Brake fluid flushes? Is it coolant cycle exchanges? Um, you know what is it? I wonder. Yeah, it doesn't tire rotations. It doesn't really say as far as because in 2019 the industry was 297 billion according to the AASA. Yep. Um. Two hundred and seven billion do it for me customers, fifty-eight billion do it yourself, and then thirty-two billion in tire sales. Tires, so much tires. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, it it is a very expensive part of the industry. Yeah. All right. I, uh, so I do... yeah, it's it. I would be interested to know what that breakdown would be too. Uh, I guess. Uh, this could delve into some more research, but I just thought it was an interesting stat. Yeah. And so especially for someone like you who owns a shop. Well, and I would also say, you know, part of what I do at the beginning of every customer check-in appointment is I discuss their maintenance habits with them, especially if it's a new customer or a new customer to me, we will review their past maintenance records and, as a result, especially if the car has been coming for a long time, we will get to say, hey, last time you did a brake fluid flush was 55,000 miles ago. We recommend it every 30. You're overdue. Your brake pedal is probably feeling a little squishy, isn't it? Oh, actually, yeah, you're right. It is. Or, oh, I hadn't actually noticed, but that might be why that might be contributing to the pulsation that I've been experiencing. Oh, well, that could also be vibration from warped rotors, which could be attributable to either your your braking habits or poor quality rotors that were installed before. And we can absolutely take a look at all of that for you as part of our confidence inspection. And from there, we'll be able to recommend exactly what you need to make sure that your braking system is fully up to spec. And people are not even aware that brake fluid is like a separate thing from brakes a lot right. of the time. Yeah. So that's a great example of one. Yeah, especially like, and I know this isn't as prevalent like today, uh, but uh, power steering fluid too used to yeah, be a big and one. It is going away though. Yeah, it is going away. 
Uh, okay, uh, yeah, I have this this article by Forbes. Yeah, it really doesn't break it down. Yeah, to what constitutes is unperformed or underperformed. So I, I, yeah, now I'm really curious. Now I know <laughs> what I'm doing later this afternoon when I have a slow slow spot at work. There you go. <laughs> um, okay, I got an, a headline here that I I really want to read for you because I think it's entertaining. Okay, this is from October of this year. It's in Road and Track. Oh, Mustang Mach E's. Uh-huh. Sorry, sorry. I know it's EV related, but Mustang Mach E's recalled because full throttle acceleration can melt welds. Wow. And so the subtitle is repeated wide open pedal events and DC fast charging could both lead to overheating in the battery's main contactors, comma, which is bad. That's the subtitle of the article. <laughs> so go read that. It's a free article on Road and Track. And it's I'm a it's a NHTSA, NHTSA recall that basically if you drive a, a Mustang Mach-E, the way it's supposed to be driven, it could, <laughs> it could cause, it could cause contactors within the battery to lose its ability to close or get welded closed so that's it's not good yeah interesting that's hmm. um okay anyways that that, i don't i don't think we need to go any further into that but it is certainly entertaining um all right you know this might be the first time in a week where we've recorded two podcasts pretty much back-to-back where both of our auctions that we did next week have finished. So this yeah, is a Yeah, I was going to say, like, yeah, I, I was thinking about this before recording today. I'm like, we screwed this up. Well, it's okay, though. It's okay. Because <laughs> we just won't tell the listeners. Because it's what happens next week. So you'll have to stay tuned until next week to listen to us detail how I guess on one auction and Dan guesses on another. But in the meantime, we have new auctions to go off of for today. And I regret to inform you, Dan, that I'm giving you another boring car. Wow. How dare you? So you want to hear what it is? Yeah. What what you got? I got it. It has the word designo. In the headline, which or in the title, which would make it sound cool, but it's not cool. It's oh, a 2000 Mercedes SL500 Designo Slate Blue Edition. Uh, it is a 71,000 mile 2000 Mercedes hardtop convertible in Ohio. That and and that's about it. It's a clean title, but it does have an accident. On the Carfax, and is this a vert thing. Yeah, yeah, it is. But more importantly than that, this is one of the worst presented cars I have ever seen on this auction platform. The pictures are the garbage. first photo is literally looks like it was shot in the early two thousands. There's a potato camera being used here. 100%. Like it's so over contrasted. Yeah. Yeah, and all the pictures are like that, actually. It looks like it's from about 2008 iPhone quality. Oh, my God, the engine bay. 
Just so Ohioan. Oh, oh my god. Man. Okay, so the, <laughs> the seller, the seller is commenting on this auction in all caps. <laughs> Every comment from the seller. The car starts quickly and runs smoothly. It is a pleasure to drive. <laughs> uh. Dude, there are so there have been so many sold in the last year that it w- it's literally impossible to go off of comps. Wait, what? You'd think more is better for comps. No, not <laughs> when it looks like this. Dude, look at the comps on it. You just, is it all over the place? Oh, dude, it's wild. Mercedes SLs. <laughs> because, like, this thing is probably every bit of a $10,000 car. You think? Yeah. Wow. I do. There based are on the, so many of these. Yeah, based on the comps, I think it's every bit of a $10,000 car. It has higher miles. But I don't think this one goes for that much and, for the obvious reasons. And an accident on the Carfax. So there's one, there's one from two weeks ago, December 13th. Very similar car in silver. Also damage reported on the Carfax. Um, and it's in silver with 74,000 miles that went for 11,750. See that? And that's what I'm saying. I think, yeah. it, I think it's every bit of a $10,000 car, but, but, but the pictures are the, just the, so the bad. The problem <laughs> is, is that this listing is so bad and it's also almost January and they're selling a bird. Yeah. In Ohio. Yeah. You know, I, uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to put uh, with three hours ago, gosh, <laughs> you were trying to screw me because I did so well in the last one. Uh, you, did. you mean the next one, the next one. Um, <laughs> I want to put, God, I want to put 6250. I wish I wish this was a video podcast sometimes and the <laughs> listeners could see both of our facial expressions. It's so bad. I'm, I'm it, smiling so much and Dan's just so upset. I think I'm going <laughs> to whiff on this so bad. <laughs> All right. Well, it's so bad. You no, know, I mean, it. it's bad, but maybe it somebody gets some- a good car. So if there's no and there's no reserve on it, if someone gets it, <laughs> oh excuse me, if someone gets it for forty five hundred bucks and they put some love into this, they could probably turn it for. They could flip it basically. Double, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, the accident was twenty three years ago. Oh, nice. All right. Well, so that's that's what I got for you. Anything you want to share with me, or should we just move on to the next? Well, this segment? is funny because <laughs> I also chose a Mercedes. Oh, all right. Cool. Uh, because I really love the look of these cars. I think they're really awesome. It is an eighties. All right, bring it. Nineteen eighty nine Mercedes Benz one ninety E. 
two and a half, ooh. 16, Evo one. Ooh. And that, it's ooh. black. Ooh, that's a complicated one. Yeah. But it's so cool. It's in, it's uh being sold in the Netherlands, by the way. Oh, geez. That's weird. uh it's got a hundred and seventy-eight K kilometers, which is about a hundred and ten thousand miles. Uh it's a two and a half liter Cosworth inline four. These, why uh, are these things so expensive? Because they're so cool, dude. Like th- like that car is, is like I'm not a Benz guy. But that design on that car was really great. The Evo, there's a bunch of Evo 2s that have gone. One of them, what the shit? July of this year, $315,000. September yeah. of this year, $231,000. This one's got a day to go, and it's currently at $44,444. But, okay, there's there's one other Evo 1 that went for 128 yeah. Evo 2s are just dropping like a rock in value. Yeah. They the were 315. There's wild. no other Evo 1s on here. I know. Because they're, they're just not. <sighs> it's wild. Oh, geez. I, I know. Think... I did not pick a popular one like yours. but Well, this one seems to be kind of like past its prime almost. Because Evo 2s. <laughs> yeah, this is a sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's such a good looking spec on this car too it, i mean it's a cool car i will yeah. give you that the body kit on it is pretty sick right pretty sick and it has the dog leg first gear so mm-hmm. that the two three everybody talks so i know about these cars from top gear yep do you remember that one of these but it was it was not a 190e evo it was a 190e cosworth Okay. Which which is the same thing. Like yeah, it's the same, same engine. Yeah. But this one just has a body kit and so it's worth like a hundred plus times more. <laughs> I don't really know. I think uh, yeah, I, I I think that's part of it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to see why the one from nineteen ninety was so much lower. Nineteen ninety. Oh yeah! Oh, the Evo two. Well, you're looking at Evo twos. Yeah. yeah, that's why. Yeah, it's uh, it's a weird one. I I think it's uh, kind of one of those unicorn listings for sure. <sighs> yeah, yeah, they you really gave me only a tricky list one Evo here. Twos. Yeah, I didn't realize how tricky this would be. So my apologies on that one. <laughs> Well, I'm, I, I'm, I think I, I in in my opinion, I don't think this goes for over a hundred grand, but it I think it will be kind of expensive. Yeah, I think it'll be I think it'll be kind of expensive too. I'm gonna say, is this the same seller? No, because this one's in the Netherlands, but it's old enough that it'd be easy to import. It's left hand drive. Yeah. It's very, it's black on black. The interior is insanely clean for a leather interior. But I think you've got a couple of, you got a a big discount for the fact that it's in Europe. And it, it'll I, yeah, cost because, you 10 grand to get it here. Yeah, because there are comments that, are be, that were posted today what it would cost to ship to the States. So, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't surprise me. 
containerized shipping to the East Coast will be two thousand dollars. Hmm. Oh, the Evo One was never equipped with AC from the factory. Hot. And the Evo ones that have AC are retrofitted. That's interesting. Oh, this one's got an Evo two cylinder head on it. Okay, I'm I'm gonna say ninety grand. Okay. And I don't know if that's that's me shooting right in the middle of where I think it could be. Right where I think it might be for all the different variables that are on it. And, and you know, it, it could be if it were a really good one and it were in the U S and you had the right market looking at it, it could be 120, but it could also be 60 because it's in the Netherlands and it's kind of funky modified. And if I had some expendable cash, I would bid on this right now. You don't have to have any expendable cash to bid. Well, I would try and buy it, though. Like, I, I, I think this is just cool. I mean, it's not no reserve. So you could probably bid 50 grand right now. And be yeah, safe. I bet the re- I'd be curious to know what the reserve is. But just it. get your heart rate up a little bit. Just do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not making it in an account because the next thing I know, I've bought something. That's okay. Nah. Not, <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not even going to tell You're really thinking about it. (laughs) I just think this thing is cool. Uh, All right. Well, yeah, we both picked Mercedes. I've owned a 1989 Mercedes, and this one has the same wheels. So these wheels are not worth very much. (laughs) No, but I love it. I love the look. I just think it looks so cool. It's just in the wrong country, and the market for these is just crashing. It's still a cool car, but clearly you're not going to get 300 grand for an Evo 2. No. It does look like that, you know, so the Evo 2s in the listing details, they're putting, this is number X of 502 ever made. Right. Yeah. The Evo 1s seem to be a bit less limited. Right. Well, in the, the, this one is just optioned well. Like if you look at other ones, they don't look like this. They they look like a normal Mercedes from '89. Oh, actually, also this has it has gone undergone a full repaint. Front bumper was refinished. Headlights and grill so were replaced following an accident. Rear bumper has rock chips. Yeah. Um. Okay. And and on this note, actually, of of does a repaint affect value? I sold my M3 which is kind of some news. And in selling it, first of all, I took a huge loss, obviously. I've put a ton of money into that car over time. But more importantly, the guy who bought it has been messaging me on Instagram and he can't stop talking about the paint. He loves the paint. He thinks the paint is amazing. Yeah. So the, the fact that that car has 161,000 miles on it is overlooked in his mind, by the paint. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, and I think, in my opinion, if as long as that you are painting it in the color that it came in, right? I don't think that it it's a bad thing. Because sometimes an aftermarket shop painting is probably better than the OE. And then actually, so but what do you think then about complete inside-out repaint? 
you know, gut the whole interior of the car, take mm-hmm. out the carpet, take out everything, paint the shell, and then put it all back together. I mean, if you're going to do it thoroughly, that's how you do it. Yeah. That's the only way to do it. Yeah. It, yeah. Because that's how it is painted at the factory. Right. <laughs> I mean, if you've got the cash to do it that way, yeah. It's like 50 grand probably yeah. to do something like that. Yeah. I can't imagine it'd be cheap. Or if you've yeah. got the time to rip apart a car yourself to do it that way. Like, if I was restoring a like an older car, yeah, that's the way. You'd have to rip everything out. There's a lot less in an older yeah. car, though. <laughs> but you're talking like a newer car? Mm. I mean, my M3 was pretty torn down on the exterior. Yeah. Pretty torn down. You know, they had all the lights out, all the trim off the windows and the yeah I, I think as cars like today are you know more modern I, I think it becomes more impossible to do it that way yeah, yeah um there's enough. a lot of stuff <laughs> like like i wouldn't want to ever rip apart my s4 to repaint it there this like, is top funny, to actually there's a so new teslas the battery pack is part of the floor yeah and so it might be easier to tear it apart actually because it's a skateboard so you can just take the body off (laughs) and repaint the body (laughs) yeah that's a good approach yeah i I just think like in 30 40 years if someone's like hey i got this car from 2023 and i want to repaint it like i don't think they're doing the full teardown i i just they're doing the Mako special for yeah. What at the I, time with inflation will be six thousand dollars for the quick right. respray. Yeah, I don't think they're doing it that way. <laughs> There's so much shit in these new cars. <laughs> okay, so now that we've spent half an hour talking about cars, oops. I I want to talk about my New Year's resolution. Ew. Oh, wait, that's right. I don't have one. They're shit. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Don't do it. Get rid of your New Year's resolutions. They are trash. Dan, what do you think? Um, (laughs) I hate New Year's resolutions. And we, Arun keyed me in on this when we recorded last. This is what we were talking about. And I started going on a tirade like almost immediately how dumb they were. So, So they're bad. And I have a, I want to make this a a proactive and productive and constructive and somewhat positively oriented episode. And given it's coming out on New Year's Eve, it couldn't be more appropriate of a time for us to talk about this subject. Now, why do we hate New Year's resolutions? I'm going to give you the one sentence answer from my perspective, and then I want to hear what you you Mm -hmm. say to this. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I answered this. The yeah. last time so we we'll do it again. Yeah. It's stupid to wait for an arbitrary date on the calendar to start making changes in your life. Yeah. But <laughs> and and that's pretty much what my sentence was is why set a goal f- for the year just because of a holiday. Like or you can like you a can calendar. set like today is 1228 if you have this goal to lose 15 pounds you can set it today yep you could have set it 15 days ago and if you're going to set it for 
a New Year's resolution. I'm I'm putting it air quotes for anyone who who cares. But uh, <laughs> um, you're gonna fail at it, and which is why the gym memberships go through the roof. And then come February, they come crashing down because you felt like you needed to make a goal on something because of a New Year's resolution, and then you find out that you only set that goal because of that, not for something you personally wanted to do to be better. And I would, I would say something else. Uh, a year is a good measurement tool. Yeah. It is a good measurement tool. And that's what we pretty much all base a lot of measurements on, whether it's your age or the fiscal year or the tax year yeah. or your sales goals or what. Like a lot of things are based around... Right, you know, like what like year my, it is. My fiscal year starts on the first, uh-huh. so my goals technically do have to follow the 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 entire year, but not as a resolution. Well, okay, yeah, and so a resolution, I think, is more about a behavioral change that people say, "I'm resolving this yeah. year to go to the gym more." Yeah, that's a New Year's resolution. I'm gonna go to the gym four days a week. That's a great New Year's resolution. And it's a behavioral change. It's not, I'm going to go to the gym four days a week in order to lose X pounds. That's but sort why, of But why does the first advanced. of the year have to constitute a behavioral change? That's that's what it is. That's what people do. I, I, I know. I, I just, I don't understand. Because like people ask me, like, what am I going to do? I'm like, nothing. But so if, here's, I, if I feel like I need to change, I'll just do it. Yeah. So here's here's the thing is it's a date. It's a date on a calendar. Yeah. And that is not a good reason to make a change in your life. If you, if, if you want to make a change in your life, there are a million ways to have a catalyst for yourself or to motivate yourself to make that change that are better than, oh, it's January 1st. Or in reality, for most people, it's January 2nd because January 1st, you're hungover. So, yeah, it's not going to stick. And that's what Dan already referred to is gym memberships go way up and then they come way back down again and health plans. And I don't know, probably therapists go up at the beginning of the year. I don't know. There's a, I'm not even plugged into this reality too much to say it's, it's important for you to you know, do these X, Y, Z type things, behavioral changes at New Year's. Like, I don't know what people are out there doing, really. Yeah. I mean, I know, for an instance, recently, you know, I find out I've got gallbladder stones and they need to be removed. So what does that mean? I need to make a behavioral change to be healthier. Like, yep. like, like that's a reason you set that, that as a goal. Yeah. It, it, so, it, it, of course, that happens like right before Christmas, but if it would have happened in March, it would same same, same outcome. thing. Yeah, and and so I think that's the key here is is oh January first comes around, I'm going to resolve to make a behavioral change. There's nothing within that reason for making the resolution that makes it sticky. There's nothing that you're going to be able to manifest within your thought process that's going to say I'm going to keep doing this for a long time in a sustainable manner. That's just not how it works when you create a new year's resolution. By contrast, 
and this is where we are going to get constructive with this episode, there are ways that you can manifest concrete and sticky behavioral changes in your life. There are actually three ways that I would like to highlight for everybody today. Do you know, Dan, what the first way is? No, let's hear it. Well, you've just gone through it. <laughs> it's, it's pain. Oh, so the yeah. the first way is pain. Yeah. And you have to suffer in order to say, fuck this, I'm making a change because yep. I don't want to feel this pain anymore. Yep. It's, it is something that is pushing you away from a certain experience that you're having and you are resolving to make a behavioral change that redirects you towards doing something that gets you away from that pain. Yep. Yeah. I'll, for me, like it would have been like the fifth or sixth time this year I had a gallbladder attack and I'm in the living room on my hands and knees tapping the floor. I tapped out. I, I was done. <laughs> like I, I was like, I had had enough and I was like, I'm going to the ER. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that is a way to create a behavioral change for me. It was, is it was my alcoholism. And, and that's a very common thing that people talk about in AA is you hit a bottom. You hit whatever your rock bottom looks like for, for drug addiction and alcoholism, where, you know, for some people it's ending up in a psych ward. For some people it's getting in, an intervention. For other people, it's becoming homeless and ending up on the ground for, you know, years of homelessness and almost getting hit by cars and getting held up for drugs and getting spit on by society and only after a long time in there, prolonged suffering and pain at that level, do you say, fuck this, I'm making a change. So people's pain tolerances are pretty different, but those are, those are some examples of how you can be pushed into making a sticky behavioral change is based on pain. And if you have started to experience pain, in a way that somewhat motivates you to change. Like you feel like your pants don't fit like they used to. That's one for me. That one is enough of a motivator for me to make a behavioral change. I hate the feeling of a fat roll going over my belt. That's actually a horrible, horrible feeling for me. Yeah. And it does motivate me. Yeah, it's not comfortable. Yeah, like I, I would rather have my pants fit comfortably and consistently and I want to maintain a certain level of fitness resultant from the behavior that I am motivated to stick to based on not having that fat roll. And so in that specific way for me, that was a pain point that pushed me away from unhealthy eating. All right. That's way number one. That's methodology number one of creating sticky behavioral changes. Number two is the love of the process. So this applies a lot to the conversations that we have had about finding your passion and finding your inspiration. What this really looks like is you just absolutely love what you're doing and you discover that you love it. And that creates a sticky behavioral change for you. Right. So you decide that you want to get better at racing cars on a racetrack and you go, go out and do it and you hate it 
you're not actually going to stick to that resolution. However, if you go out there and, and it's just a friend who decided to take you and you don't really care that much and it's all right, but you go out there and you fall in absolute love with it and you never want to leave, you're just going to go up next week. Even though you had no intention of, of tackling this new hobby, now you want to sink your teeth all the way into it and keep going until the wheels fall off. They have been me. My first time racing. <laughs> you didn't, you weren't really thinking about going out? No. Yeah. Yeah. I was exactly. like, I really do not want to crash my car at the drag strip. <laughs> yeah. When I actually signed up for my first track day, I didn't even have a track car. I was living oh. in San Francisco and I signed up. Yeah. Sitting in the, on the 22nd story of the skyscraper that I was working in. Yep. Yeah. And I was like, man, I don't want to be the guy that kills my car at the start line or just, Ooh. you know, does, does the massive rolling burnout. You're like, I do not <laughs> want to be that guy. And my first, I'll tell you what, I had never been more sweaty in my life than my first pass on the track. Oh, that's really sweaty. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I was nervous. Nervous dripping down into your eyes but the point was yeah i had really had no intention of of falling obsessed with it yeah yeah and then damn i'm in the rabbit hole and you've created a sticky behavioral change that to to some people who say yeah my new year's resolution is i want to pick up a hobby but it's okay january 1st snap your fingers you got fucking no (laughs) i could do that today on the 28th yeah. And and if you just want to go out and discover what your hobby is, you you can do that. You can go try a bunch of different things that kind of interest you and then see what you want your hobby to be. But it won't be until you absolutely fall in love with one of those things that you say, okay, this is this is what I'm sticking with now. But you got to commit to that process of discovery. Right. All right. That's that's way number two to create sticky behavioral change. Way number three is the obsession with the outcome. Actually, one thing more on on point number two. We talked on point number one that that is pushing you away from something and, and motivating you to take action. Point number two is momentum. So you start something and you love it and you get rolling with that obsession with it. And you'll get stuck in to doing it over and over and over again. And it becomes easy for you to just continuously do something if you love it. And so that's momentum. The third way to create sticky behavioral change is obsession with the outcome. And so just like I said with the first two, push and momentum, this is pull. You're being pulled towards something. This is what is going to create your new behavioral change. It's not that you're running away from the fat roll over the belt. It's that you see a picture of a bodybuilder or a model on your wall or your phone background, whatever you want to do. And you want to look exactly like that. And that is what's going to motivate you to adopt the sort of physical training and nutrition habits that you need in order to look like that. It looks like what I fascinate about all the time and obsess about is I want nice cars. I want private jets. I want luxury experiences. I want freedom of time to spend with my family. I want to create a lot of opportunity for people in the world to do things that I am very passionate about changing in the world. That's obsession to me. 
that is what pulls me to create behavioral changes that I might not even want to make, but that pull me towards that action and the consistency of action, knowing that I'm headed in that direction of those outcomes. Do you have any examples of, of a pull energy in your life? Oh man, you're putting me on the spot here. Bum, bum, bum. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my, my pull energy was, you know, when it came to my, my hobbies and whatnot was to bring home the trophies. <laughs> like I wanted to be that guy that had the shelf in his office. that was, you know, full of, full of racing and stories. Now you have that. Yeah. And now you yeah, have that. Yeah. Now people can walk in my office. They look at my bookshelf and they go, what's this? What's this? And like, I have a story for it. Yeah. You know, that, that, that was my reward. It was being able to share those experiences with others. That's awesome. Yeah. That's well put. And, and I think this is one where, uh, the, the driven mindset really, really comes into play because we set goals and those goals are based on a bigger vision. Mm -hmm. And so the way in which you're, we're able to distill a big vision down into daily actions is huge. It's huge. And it is what creates sticky action and daily action is, okay, I know exactly where I'm going. It's far, far away from me. The vision's cloudy. The vision has, you know, fog in front of it. The, the horizon of the earth curves out of my sight and I can't see it but I know it's there and I can see it in my mind that that is where I am walking towards every day. And that is a huge motivator and it's a, it's the pull and that is the third way to create sticky behavioral change. And so I think each of these three ways has its place in our lives. Sometimes you just get into pain and those are behavioral changes that you will make because you don't want to feel that pain anymore. Then there are times when you just fall in love with the process and you just roll with the momentum of doing the thing. And it is something that happens a bit more naturally and without intention compared to the other two. And then the third one, it takes the most intention, which is you actually have to think about what you want in the future and be specific enough about it that you can define and derive actions from it that lead you to daily action that is going to really get you to where you want to go. And you have to be obsessed with it. You, that word obsession comes in a lot when you hear about uh, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, those type of you know world star athletes that did leave a huge, huge legacy on what they were doing. So those are the three ways. And they are better than looking at the fucking calendar and saying, oh, it's January 1st. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it, everybody. No. <laughs> Today's New Year's Eve. You either start today or start on the second. <laughs> yeah. Don't or start a week from now. <laughs> whatever day you think is, is best for whatever goal that you make. But... The point is, is don't, don't wait. Yeah. Don't wait. The day on the calendar is actually meaningless. The holiday you, is meaningless. If you got rid of the calendar, 
very little in your life would change for, you know, 340 days of the year that are not significant. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I could make the argument that February 1st is New Year's Eve. What? <laughs> I'm just saying that's that's the, the point I'm making is, is that today doesn't matter. Yeah. You could literally <laughs> set the same date in 30 days and call it the New Year's Eve. Yeah. 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 That's that, my New Year's. My new my new resolution that I will start now. <laughs> it, February 2nd. Is there you go. Blank. <laughs> I think that's how you spin it in your head right? to get you to an answer. Anyways, your resolutions are trash. Get rid of them. Use real methods in order to change your behavior. And these all exist around you. You're in pain right now. You can augment that pain. You can, I, this, I want you to fat shame yourself. I want you to go in the mirror and say, you're a piece of shit I get, and get better with your business or whatever it is. Like, I think all of those things are absolutely okay to do. And I know that because I've harnessed that sort of negative self-talk for myself to compel me to take better action. You you look like you have an opinion on this. I, I do be, because I was in in my my owner's office yesterday and uh, I walked in. The owner in of and, your business, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I, <laughs> and, and I walked in and I said, we are a piece of shit when we when we come, when it comes to uh you know the actual conversation with our sales reps and making sure that they are up to date on everything that is recent mm. and and he he goes you're right and i'm glad you're thinking this way and i had a solution in mind already there you go and it like these are things you don't have to wait on for a specific day like i went in there i'm like dude we need to change December twenty seventh. This ain't a New Year thing. Well, unfortunately, I'm not starting it until January, but it is a thing that we're changing. (laughs) Killing me. Well, I I can't start it today. It's not not a a thing that you do today. (laughs) Whatever. Um, Yeah, I'll tell you later. But it's not a thing. I I do think. Here's one thing I'll say about this: is is sometimes these sort of annualizing or monthly sizing goal setting tactics where you say, all right, starting on whatever day, we're going to change the way we do things is a corporate delay tactic that for people who are not necessarily appropriately equipped to make a change right now, meaning there's not enough push, there's not enough momentum, there's not enough pull. It is a, all right, yeah, we are setting this date so that we attempt to commit to it. But I've heard so many empty promises to that end yeah, I don't I just, believe it when people say that anymore. Right. I just don't have the resources today to implement it. Like I have to gather some stuff first. Yeah, and I'm not shitting on you because it, yeah. because of that, you might you're probably you're not going to start January 2nd, you're going to start January 15th or whatever it is. Uh the event Except date that, is the 28th. There. Yeah. So that that's it has nothing to do with the year. Yeah. Or the month. It's nope. just yeah. yeah, I have to gather some resources and get get some speakers involved, and it's yeah. it's a it's a process. Create yeah. an agenda. Gasp. Yeah, <laughs> I decided I'm the front man for for our you know monthly right. sales calls, and I'm going to redevelop them. Good stuff. And, Good stuff. Okay, I, I hear you. I understand. All right, you have anything else on this subject you want to cover? 
you know, I don't have any like three point philosophical things, you know, uh, but I do have some hard data that I want the listeners to, to noodle oh, on yeah. here. Um, it, it, February 2nd, 2023, Fisher's College of Business released some information that the uh, researchers suggest that 9% of Americans that make resolutions complete them. 23% of people quit the resolution by the end of the first week. And 43% quit by the end of January. Week. So if you're going to make a resolution, you better make damn sure that you make it good enough to be a part of that 9% because that's a small amount. And I bet those 9% have some sort of push, pull, or momentum behind it that motivates them beyond the date on the calendar. Yeah. And I would believe this data if it didn't come from a college. I don't even know what Fisher <laughs> College of Business is, and I'm believing that data. Because well, I, I, it, you, you know what's funny is I started working out every day on December 26, 2015. Yeah. 15? Yeah. That, and that was one of those, you know, people think I, I made a New Year's resolution, but it was actually before that that I started exercising as much as I do today still. So... That's, that's where we'll wrap it up for today. Uh, we have some other ways that you can engage with the Driven community, and I hope you take advantage of them. The first one that I want to share is the YouTube channel. Very proud of what we're doing over there. The weekly vlog-style content. It's about half an hour a week capturing what's going on in the day-to-day -day entrepreneurial life of myself and my slight car-collecting habit along with the businesses that I'm operating, you just get a window into what it's like in some of these early stages. I've not been in business that long. This podcast is, is actually designed to accomplish the same thing and hold us accountable to the mindset and practices that we know got us this far. And we will evolve along with that. And so the YouTube channel is doing more of that. It's involving more of the visual aspects as well and a bit more personal than the podcast gets. We have a... Discord server where we are frequently discussing the pursuit of excellence in business, fitness, cars, and occasionally ribeye smoothies. <clears throat> oh, gross. <laughs> I totally forgot about that conversation. Gross. That was, that was, that was a, a rough one for me to wake up to and read uh, about. Yeah, right. Yeah, thanks, Rick, for that one. <laughs> I, I, I Look, I visually had it in my brain at midnight when he was talking about it in real time. Yeah. So that's, that's that. And, uh, you, you take from it what you will. Uh, and then you can, you can find either of us on the social medias where you can interact with us, get directions to either of those platforms that I just referenced and talk shit. I'm at Arun D Kumar on Instagram and Arun Kumar on Facebook and LinkedIn. Dan is, I am Dan LaRue on Facebook and LinkedIn. That's where I will uh, be the most accessible to chat with. Uh, also, Dan underscore LaRue on Instagram. Awesome. So that's all we got for today. We appreciate you listening. This has been Arun and Dan. And until next time, stay driven.